Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 7 of Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes and one podcast together. My name is Michael Bradley, and I am your host on this show, where we celebrate nearly 70 years of the world's finest team by looking at Superman and Batman team-ups from throughout the years, mostly chosen at random from the pages of World's Finest Comics. And this episode, we are looking at a story from issue 254 of that title, which is kind of interesting for me because it features a sort of Worlds Collide situation as far as my previous podcasting endeavors. Prior to this show, I hosted or co-hosted three podcasts, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, Legends of the Batman, and Green Lantern's Light, which focused on, as their titles might suggest, Superman... Batman and Green Lantern, respectively. And this episode, we are going to see Superman and Batman taking on the Green Lantern villain, Sinestro. And at least for me, there's an added bonus that we didn't really talk too much about Sinestro on the Green Lantern show. So even though, as we will see in the story, his role could have been filled with any villain, I'm kind of excited that the story does involve Sinestro. So let's go ahead and get into it. According to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, World's Finest Comics number 254 was released on September 11th, 1978 and has a December 1978, January 1979 cover. It's a whopping 64 pages, or 68 if you believe the cover, and cost a whole dollar as it was published during the dollar comics era for the title which I talked about back in episode 2. The great Jim Aparo did the cover, which is actually a double-sized wraparound cover. Um, A lot of issues during the Dollar Comics era went to the wraparound covers just to give readers that much more bang for their literal buck. As I've said, initially during the Dollar Comics era, there were no ads in the books. So you get superhero action literally from cover to cover. The cover shows Superman being blasted in the chest by Sinestro as Batman grimaces in pain in the foreground and buildings are shaken apart in the back. The rest of the cover is made up of bubbles, giving previews or or images of the other features inside, which we will talk about more in the second segment of the show. This is a cover that, despite being a wraparound, really works better as just the front cover image. Um, The other characters are basically just insets, uh, unlike other wraparound covers from around this time where they were actually integrated and made a part of the image. And I can't help but wonder if this wasn't meant to be a single cover and then they expanded it when they decided to do the wraparounds. I don't know. Either way, overall, it's, it's decent enough, but it does kind of fail as a wraparound since the other characters are just basically shoehorned in. But still, you know, it works. Turning inside, our 20-page story is titled Whom Gods Would Destroy, and credits all are included in the issue, so hooray for crediting. And they are Story by Bob Haney, Art by George Tusca and Vince Coletta, Lettering by Milt Snappen, Colorist Gene D'Angelo, and Editor Jack C. Harris. And one of the things that's fun about this show is really evident with this issue. This is our second Bob Haney story on the show. And I talked 
back in episode 5 about just how prolific he was in writing Superman-Batman stories in World's Finest Comics. But while the story we looked at in episode 5 was fairly early in his run on the title, this one is Haney's penultimate in his Superman-Batman run. So we're kind of seeing both ends of his run. And it's... I love that we're able to bounce around and experience stories from different eras and, and creators at, at various points in their careers. Um, while, you know, on The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, I, I went chronologically through the Golden Age. Here, it's, it's, it's fun just bouncing around and, and keeping things fresh by, you know, looking at the different eras and, and different time periods. So anyway, our story begins as Batman chases a Dr. Willard down an alley. The Caped Crusader tackles the Doctor, demanding that the Doc give him the brain. But the Doctor just babbles incoherently, and Batman is struck by a weird flashing light within his mind, causing him to black out. In Gotham City, where eight million souls grab for the brass ring of survival and uncertain hope, a famed figure lies on the slimy cobbles. Comatose is Gotham's guardian, but his powerful consciousness is now possessed of a vision of another city. A metropolis, where two foes face each other between rows of scraping glass towers, symbols of arrogance and greed. An amazing and strange confrontation between two extraterrestrials. A close encounter of the fourth kind on a familiar battleground, America's second city. Is this truly happening, or is it the overwrought mind of a vengeful superhero? Just the ultimate madness of whom gods would destroy. And wow, is that some of the longest opening narration I've seen in a comic book. But it's well written, and I really like the the narrative descriptions of Gotham versus Metropolis, as they very much align with how I personally see the cities. And really, by this time, this came out in 1979, by this time they were two very different cities. Uh, you had the, the dark and noir... Gotham and the brighter, shinier, uh, more more business-like metropolis. I do find it interesting, though, that it says Gotham has 8 million people. Now, that could be slight hyperbole, but that's even bigger than New York City at the time this was published. And then it calls Metropolis America's second city. So <laughs> now I want to see how the populations of Metropolis... Gotham City and the DCU equivalents of, you know, New York and Los Angeles and Chicago compare to one another. Not that any of it matters to the story, but still, I want to know. So, we pick up seeing Batman's strange vision as Superman and Sinestro square off on the streets of Metropolis. Sinestro uses his ring to smash every window in a nearby skyscraper, causing trillions of shards to rain down on the populace. Leaping into action, the Man of Steel uses bursts of super speed to further shatter the shards, turning them into fine dust, which harmlessly blankets the city like snow. Superman remarks that Sinestro's willpower seems to have grown tremendously since they last met. Sinestro says he's back on Earth to stay and obtain total power. He then makes an escape in a ring-generated ship before Superman can do anything. Instead of following the deranged supervillain hell-bent on universal domination, Superman opts to play cleanup and begins tossing hands full of dust towards the building and using his Rebuild the Great Wall of China vision to repair the damage. 
Back in Gotham City, Batman awakes from his vision to see Dr. Willard, still nearby and still talking gibberish. Before our hero can get the doctor to safety, a car arrives and two thugs charge toward them, intent on snagging the doc themselves. But a fury of judo chops and some really, really bad puns from Batman renders the thugs unconscious. All seems safe, but little does the Dark Knight know that on a nearby rooftop waits a sniper with his crosshairs on Batman's back and orders to get the doc or kill them both. Seven Million Hostages is the title of part two of our story, which begins with the sound of a gunshot and Batman struck with a bullet. Thankfully, a bulletproof vest worn by the Dark Knight prevented it from being a fatal shot, and Batman and the Doctor escape by leaping over a fence and slipping down into the sewer. Later, in a secret lair below the Wayne Foundation, Batman continues to interrogate the Doctor about the location of the brain. But what's the deal with this brain, and why is Batman so hot about finding it? Well, to find the answer to that, we need to take another long ride down Exposition Highway. begins all the way back in Batman number 75, just a scant eight months after the very first comic book team-up between Superman and Batman. There, a criminal known as Boss Dyke was executed, and Dr. Willard placed his brain into the body of a gorilla, making him the gorilla boss of Gotham City. Dyke's ultimate goal was to place his brain into Batman's body, but the criminal was defeated by Batman and Robin and crushed to death in a fall from something that is in no way meant to resemble the Empire State Building. More recently, due to a series of of events that are told but are in no way important to the story, the brain found its way back into the possession of Dr. Willard. Thanks to an editor's note, we know that three issues ago, Willard succeeded in transplanting the brain into Batman's skull, but ultimately was thwarted by Superman. Batman got his own brain back, but Willard escaped with the brain of the Gorilla Boss. Only in comics, folks. So, with the exposition done, Batman again gets dizzy. He blacks out and has another vision of Superman and Sinestro battling on the streets of Metropolis as Sinestro uses his giant yellow wrecking ball to destroy a nearby building. Superman attempts to counter with heat vision, but finds it no match for Sinestro's growing power, and soon has to back off for fear of leveling the city. Sinestro then destroys a nearby bridge, leaving Superman to work double time to repair the bridge and save the cars that have been sent plummeting into the water. Back in Gotham, Batman regains consciousness and takes Dr. Willard to the Batcave. After an examination, he gives the doctor a serum, which helps Willard enough that he's able to tell Batman that the brain was stolen by aliens in a yellow spaceship. Batman takes Willard to the scene, gathers evidence from scorch marks on the ground, and is about to leave when he sees a newspaper with the headline that reads, Metropolis Besieged, Sinestro Outpowers Superman, and realizes that maybe his visions aren't just visions. But before he can investigate, another shot rings out, and Batman goes down. The final vision is our third chapter, and begins with the would-be assassin celebrating his hit but then getting smacked with a batarang. 
Having only been pegged in the shoulder and thus avoiding another fatal bullet, Batman grabs the doctor and quickly escapes back to the Batcave. Upon examination of the ground sample, Batman realizes that it was scorched by something yellow, further deducing that the so-called aliens must have been generated by Sinestro's ring so that he could steal the brain and not be discovered. Batman figures that Sinestro's been using the brain to increase his own powers, and since the brain was once in Batman's skull, quote, some tiny traces of its cells must be still clinging there, causing the flashes. Unquote. Once again, only in comics, folks. As it happens, just at that moment, Batman gets a third vision as Sinestro attacks the city's nuclear energy plant. Superman inhales the radioactive steam before it reaches the city and dashes into space. But when he returns, he finds Sinestro's power has grown so much that the rogue X-Green Lantern has encased the city in an impenetrable yellow dome. After an emergency call from Batman via JLA communicator, Superman rockets uncountable miles into deep, deep space, where he finds the giant brain of Boss Dyke, now grown to the size of a planet thanks to the machinations of Sinestro and providing him with an endless supply of will to draw upon. With the skill of a surgeon, Superman uses his X-ray vision to destroy the giant brain and then speeds back to Earth to again confront Sinestro, who is now back to his regular power level. With one swing, Superman punches Sinestro through the very walls of the universe itself, knocking the criminal from the Matter Universe back to his prison in the Antimatter Universe. Superman then returns to the normal business of catastrophes and criminals, while in Gotham City, having locked Willard and Arkham, Batman gives us a story recap and then marvels how he and Superman both had their hands full, even though they never actually met during the story. And I can't help but wonder what would happen if this comic was someone's first exposure to Superman and Batman. I mean, we've reached a point where most people never really have a time in their life when they don't know who Superman and Batman are. I mean, they're part of the, the, the culture at this point, and even from a young age, people are aware of Superman and Batman. But even so, everyone has a moment of a first real exposure to the characters that shapes his or her, his or her view of them and gives uh, context for their adventures and, and what is, you know, quote-unquote, normal for those characters. And this story, well, it's not necessarily that far outside the norm for a comic book, but for Superman and Batman, we're dealing with brain transplants and Sinestro stealing a brain and somehow making that brain grow to the size of a planet and then using that giant brain to boost his own power which was given to him by aliens at the center of a universe and it's just really bizarre and I walked away I walked away feeling that even though I understood the story I was still very very confused Weird is okay, but this one is weird in really all the wrong ways. And I feel bad giving this one a negative review because I think the basic ideas here are fine. There might be some missteps in execution, but, but even that is fairly solid. But for a Superman and Batman story, this is just really crazy. And then there are problems 
but at least to me, of the handling of the characters, particularly when it comes to Superman's powers. Um, We see him shattering trillions of shards of glass into dust, and then even worse, he uses that dust to reform windows by throwing a handful of it and then, you know, solidifying that with his heat vision. In in the story, it says he reformed 10,000 windows in 10 seconds. Which is... (sighs) I like a powerful Superman, but that's a little ridiculous. Um, At the end of the issue, then, he, he flies into space at, quote, speeds that defy the common concepts of time and space. And then uses his X-ray vision to destroy the giant brain, and and while he's doing so, the brain somehow cries out to him, because Doc or uh, Boss Dyke's consciousness is still in the brain. I, I don't know it. I understand what's happening, but I'm just very confused. It's just very bizarre and doesn't really work with these characters, at least not the way it's presented. Now, maybe another writer or another era could have presented them the, these concepts differently and made it work for the characters but right here as it is it, it just it just doesn't and again I do feel bad saying things like that I mean it, the story started out well enough my qualms of the treatment of, of Superman's uh, powers and the windows aside it wasn't really until about halfway in that they made mention of the brain transplant stuff and that it started to get weird and then just totally went off the rails once Superman flies into space to fight the giant brain. And I can't believe I just said those words. Um, so, but anyway, there's there's something here, but it, it just doesn't working as a whole. And lest we forget, I want to point out that this story references that Batman has had two brain transplants and had another person's brain floating around inside, or sorry, pieces of another person's brain floating around inside, inside his skull all the while not dying. Right. I do want to give props to Haney, though, for reaching way, way back to pull out a concept like the gorilla boss of Gotham City and uh, working it into the plot. There are a couple editor's notes referencing World's Finest Comics number 251, which apparently had uh, more to do with the gorilla boss and kind of led into this one. And, you know, maybe that's part of the problem. I haven't read issue 251, so maybe reading that would help. I get the feeling it wouldn't, because this issue stands well on its own. I mean, unlike the Pantheon story that we ran into a few episodes ago, this isn't a continuing story, but this issue is just following up on a loose plot thread from a previous one. But still, you know, I don't know. I... I, I do appreciate that he reached back 30 years to pull out a, or almost 30 years, to pull out an obscure character like the Gorilla Boss. I, I, I really, really do like that. And another thing that helps the story is that it's a good outing from George Tuska on the art. It's not outstanding, but it is a solid effort. Tuska was illustrating uh, World's Greatest Superheroes, the newspaper strip, at this time, so he was accustomed to drawing both characters, and he does an admirable job with this story. Um, His Superman isn't my favorite, but it's perfectly acceptable. And the detail on pages 4 and 5 is is actually quite extraordinary. There are... um, These are the pages where Sinestro has shattered the windows and, and shards of glass are raining down on Metropolis. And Tuska actually took the time to draw all the individual shards of various shapes and sizes. 
and it had to take quite a bit of time to put in all that detail, and I was really, really impressed by it. But that's really all I had to say about this story. It just, um, it just wasn't my favorite, unfortunately. Um, here, here's hoping that the next Haney story we get is better, because uh, despite the fact that I, I thought the Dead Man story from a couple episodes ago was was an enjoyable read, you know, between that and this one, I don't think we've really seen what Haney is capable of on this title. So I really hope we get to to the the good ones pretty soon in in the Haney you know stories. Um, but that means it's time for a break in promos, and after that, the second segment. Do you enjoy time travel in general and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast. My name is Billy Hogan and I will be your host. Together we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon... Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. The next week, we will feature the Man of Steel's titles, Superman and Action Comics, which will include the Supergirl stories during her run in the back of that title. You can join me each week on Wednesday or Thursday at the supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com, which is available on iTunes. And your emails are always welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape. Wow, I'm really glad I decided to pony up and take my wife to Italy for her birthday. The food, the sights, the atmosphere, it's all just so perfect. Too bad I had to ask if there was a comic book shop located at the Vatican. Uh, Maybe it wasn't the brightest thing to do on her birthday, but granted, I'm certain I've done things way more foolish than that. Good afternoon. Gah! Where did you come from, and who the heck are you? My name is Dufo de Manzo, and where I come from is none of your concern. What is of your concern is that I have an offer to make of you. An offer that you should not refuse. Uh... Okay, what is it? I have listened to your podcasts, and it just so happens that I am in the podcasting business myself. Someday I will ask a favor of you, one that I hope you will repay to me in good faith. When you do so, you will become a part of my family, and your show will prosper along with it. Oh, that sounds great. What do I need to do? You will know when the time is right. Until then... I wish you and your lovely wife the happiest of times in my fair country. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Some time has passed. And that does it for another episode of Just One of the Guys. Thanks everyone for listening, and I'll catch you all next week. Bravo, bravo, bravo. How the hell did you find me, and how did you get in my house? Do not worry yourself with such trivial matters. I have seen your work with this podcast, and I have come to accept the favor that is owed to me. Uh, but you never said what you wanted from me. That is true. 
So let me restate it now. Wait, what? I have started up a brand new podcasting venture entitled Two True Freaks. I am setting them up with their own website, twotruefreaks.com. And I am gathering up podcasts such as yours that have gained my favor to become a part of the Two True Freaks podcast network. I will do the honor of putting the Just One of the Guys on the Two True Freaks network. And in return, our debt will be settled. Oh, okay. Hey, wait, what debt? Do you accept my offer? Uh, sure. I mean, does this mean I'll get paid for the show finally? No. Oh, okay. Well, does it mean I'll get some cannoli? Of course. The DiManzo family originated cannoli. In fact, we are known the world over for our stuffing of creamy fillings in the tubes. Come check out Just One of the Guys every Friday at 2TrueFreaks.com. As with many Bronze Age issues of World's Finest Comics, this issue has not been reprinted. And it's also not been covered on another podcast that I'm aware, and there are no ads. So this segment might be a lot shorter than normal. Uh, We do have other features in the book, though, so we'll take a quick look at those, beginning with the inside front cover, which offers a table of contents illustrated by cover artist Jim Aparo. The Superman and Batman story is the lead tale in the book, as it usually is, and that's followed by a double dose of archery. First, a 10-page Black Canary and Green Arrow story titled Primeval Scream, and then a 10-page Green Arrow solo story titled The Race is Running, uh, the latter of which is basically a whatever-happened-to type story for Green Arrow's Arrow Car. I didn't read it, but had it been Whatever Happened to the Aeroplane, I totally would have. Uh, Both stories, by the way, were written by Jerry Conway and illustrated by Trevor Von Eden and Vince Coletta. Then we get an eight-page creeper story by Steve Ditko titled Beware Mr. Wrinkles. Uh, This is Ditko's next-to-last story featuring the creeper, which is the character that he created. And I read this particular story a few years ago in the Ditko creeper hardcover that DC released. I don't remember too much about it plot-wise, but I do recall not really caring for the World's Finest Comics backups. Um, the, the earlier stories are, are pretty good, though, so I, I, and I strongly recommend checking those out. But the World's Finest backups, I, I just remember not liking them as well. They're, they're uh, significantly lighter in tone and, and maybe not uh, straight-up comedy, but I, I like the, the earlier, more serious, kind of darker stories that uh, I think Denny O'Neill wrote several of those with Steve Ditko art, of course. And the final story is a 15-page Captain Marvel story titled The Devil and Captain Marvel, which is by E. Nelson Bridwell, Don Newton, and Kurt Schaffenberger. The final page of the issue is one of DC's advertorial pages, the DC feature page, which has a Q&A with The Answer Man, Bob Rosakis, and a profile of Howard Chaikin neither of which have much to do with what we'll be talking about on this show, so we're just going to move on. And finally is the inside back cover, which is our letters page from the World's Finest Fans, which features letters talking about issues 248 and 251, including a letter from future DC writer, editor, and all-around nice guy, Mark Wade. Uh, But now it's time to head on over to take a trip in the time machine at Mike's Amazing World of Comics, 
at mikesamazingworld.com for a look at what else was on the stands in September 1978. Uh, first up is Batman 306. No idea what happens inside, but it's got a really cool Jim Aparo cover of Batman fighting the Black Spider. DC Comics Presents number 4 has Superman teaming up with the Metal Men, and meanwhile, Zatanna joins the Justice League of America in issue 161 of that title. Brave and the Bold number 145. I have never read this, but boy do I want to. Um, it features Batman and the Phantom Stranger, courtesy of Bob Haney and Jim Aparo. So there are very few ways that that could end badly. Uh, but unfortunately, it looks like it's never been reprinted. So, curses. Um, and speaking of curses, Superman 306 is a rather infamous issue. Uh, here, Marty Pasco tries to explain a little bit more thoroughly why no one has ever realized that Superman is Clark Kent. And it's revealed that for all these years, Superman has been subconsciously hypnotizing people into thinking that Clark Kent is older and less built and has a receding hairline. And that's a plot point that I think is never, ever, ever referenced again. Um, maybe Charlie Niemeyer will cover this on Superman in the Bronze Age someday, you know, if he's really bored or drunk. <laughs> um, Action Comics 490 and Detective Comics number 481. Not much to say about these, but I'm going to mention them because they are our heroes' books and two of the longest-running DC titles. Uh, Green Lantern number 111 has Hal Jordan teaming up with his Earth 2 counterpart, Green Lantern Alan Scott, which is interesting because Alan also appeared in Flash number 268 this month. Um, this was right before the Justice Society got their feature in Adventure Comics, so they were probably trying to uh, you know, raise the profile of those characters a little bit before launching the new feature. Uh, but last but not least, we have Wonder Woman hitting a milestone with issue number 250 of her title. But that's it. Another issue done and dusted. Uh, be sure to keep writing in. Let me know your thoughts on the show and the stories even really weird ones like this. Um, I have gotten some feedback, but I've decided I'm going to wait and do email episodes every... Well, I don't know how much I'll do them. It really depends on how much email I get. But uh, doing feedback episodes rather than sprinkling them into uh, the coverage episodes as I get the, the feedback will just help me to get farther ahead on the show, which, which really helps, and I think... Uh, we'll keep the show coming out on a more consistent basis. So everybody wins. Uh, but I will do feedback episodes, so please keep writing in. I, I really do enjoy hearing from folks that are listening. Uh, but that's it for this time. I will be back next episode with another awesome issue of World's Finest Comics. Or possibly a lame one. You never know, so tune in. But until then, have a great one, and I will talk to you later. Goodbye. Superman and Batman, hosted by me, Michael Bradley. 
Feedback can be sent to Michael at GreatCrypton.com. I love hearing from listeners, so be sure to send your comments, questions, and other feedback, and I will likely read that on a future episode. Show notes, information, and back episodes can be found at GreatCrypton.com. Be sure to follow the show via Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe via iTunes or RSS feed so that you never miss an episode. If you subscribe via iTunes, be sure to leave a review. Not only does it help others find the show, but I'd love to read that in a future episode as well. Superman and Batman is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, home to many great Superman-related podcasts. Be sure to pay them a visit at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and both characters are copyright DC Comics. For more about Superman's creators, be sure to visit my blog, Siegel and Schuster Mythmakers, at greatcrypton.com slash Schuster, where I commemorate the lives, works, and legacies of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. I want to thank you again very much for listening and invite you to come back next time for another episode of Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. song for this episode was Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill from their 1993 album Black Sunday. And yes, that album came out in 1993. We are officially old. But still, if you like this or other music heard in the show, support the artist by buying the music. And the best way to do that is by visiting twotruefreaks.com. Click on the banner in the upper left corner of the site and be redirected to amazon.com. Buy an MP3 or physical copy of the song, and Two True Freaks will get a little kickback on every purchase. You'll be helping out some of the hardest-working folks in podcasting, and best of all, it won't cost you anything extra. <laughs>